Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Tea with Coco. I am Coco like Chanel. I just spent the most fabulous two weeks in Europe. We were traveling through France, Belgium, and Italy. It was an absolutely glorious trip, and part of what made it so completely wonderful was having my entire family there, my little family that is, my husband, as well as my dog, Belle. I got a lot of people reaching out to me on social media when I was posting all the beautiful pictures of Europe with Belle in it, asking how I was able to get my dog over to the EU safely and back. There's a lot of rules and regulations. It is sometimes very difficult to manage and the rules are changing all the time. I've gone over to Europe with Belle twice now. My mother lives in Germany. We went to visit her about 18 months ago and just this last trip. So Belle has has gone twice. I thought it would be great to write an article outlining both experiences and some of the tips and tricks that have really helped me through that process because you're always nervous with international travel and when you're responsible for another little being, it's even more so. So on this week's episode, I want to talk about how to bring your furry family members over to Europe. The United States has one of the largest populations of pet dogs. As of 2018, 40% of pet owners say that they view their animals as family members. I think cats are included in that statistic I was reading. And I am absolutely part of that statistic. Belle, like I said, is, I feel like she's my blood, like my daughter. And I know I don't have human children, so this is my closest way I can express it. She's, she's one of my best friends. We do everything together. We go to the hair salon together. She's there when I'm upset. We're happy together. We play together. We have meals, you know, <laughs> I prepare our meals. It feels like a, a relationship. So I think if, if you're listening to this and curious about how to bring your dog over to Europe, you're probably in that same boat as I am. So a little bit of a prerequisite before I dive in. The airlines are continuing to change their rules all the time, as well as nation states. So I am recording this as of July 27th, 2019. So please always double check with the airlines, but I will hopefully be able to give some insight to you and collect a lot of different information that I had to track down through various websites and uh, resources and be able to make it a little bit easier for you to do this smoothly. A couple of other prerequisites. My dog, Belle, has traveled on probably over 30 flights in her four short years of life. She comes to work with me. We go to most public places that she's allowed to go to together. What that means is she has a lot of training being in very different situations out of her home comfort zone. So loud noises, people walking by, screams, thuds, crackles like cars, all of that. She's adjusted to how to act around that type of environment. If 
you are considering bringing your dog over to Europe and your dog really only exists in your home and has really only traveled in your vehicle, which are spaces that are very much comfort zones for them, I would be extremely hesitant about bringing your dog to another country as its first real experience out. Just like with human children, it takes training, right? It takes a, a while for them to be able to be comfortable and to understand social cues and who wants to come up and pet them and who not to. And they make mistakes, right? Just like humans. So think about that. Know your dog. I w- would just caution that you do a couple of test runs uh, with your animal in different types of environments and really make sure you are aware of how they're going to react. The second thing I want to highlight about the dog is Belle is a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel and she's about 12 pounds. So she's small. She's small enough to travel in the cabin. And all of my experience with travel and my dog are in the cabin. So I have never put her in cargo. And after some of the horror stories I've read about it, I don't think I ever will. So that is the only way I'm going to be discussing air travel in in this. I'll also in this podcast be going a little bit into other types of travel within the EU, our experience on trains, our experience using public transit, and our experience in taxis and Ubers. So that way you can really get an understanding. I'll also talk a little bit about accommodations in Europe and walking around as a tourist, the places that your animal can go and our overall experience. So the countries I will be covering. The first time that we went 18 months ago, I flew into Germany. That's where I grew up. My mom still lives there. And so we traveled that trip to Germany, France, Belgium, Switzerland, England, and Ireland. Our most recent trip, we flew into France and then traveled to Belgium and Italy. So those are the countries I will be discussing in detail uh, within the EU. Although I will say that most of the other countries, especially within the continental EU that I don't mention, such as Austria, uh, Luxembourg, things like uh, Spain, uh, those will be very, very similar uh, in terms of the regulations that they have. So always check again, but I can tell you from traveling so much as a child within the, the EU, the borders are open. Uh, if you are traveling, it'll be pretty similar to the experiences I'm sharing now. All right, stage one, preparation. The first thing you'll need to obtain if you're thinking about taking your dog overseas is an international health certificate or an EU health certificate. The international health certificate should cover both, but there is a specific EU health certificate. A vet can give you one. There is a special certification that your vet needs to have and have obtained in order to be able to issue this certificate. So go ahead and call your vet office and verify who at the facility has the qualifications to issue the certificate. This certificate has to be issued within 10 days of your departure. So you're gonna wanna make your appointment within that 10 day window and I always call early. I 
actually had Belle go into the vet about 30 days prior and get checked out just because I didn't want any surprises. And at that point made my appointment for her to get her health certificate three days before our air travel. The second thing you will need to obtain is a rabies certificate. This is usually given in conjunction with the International Health Certificate. You don't have to get it supplementally, and it does state on the International Health Certificate that they've gotten their rabies shot, but it's just another piece of paper that they'll give you just as a verification. Note on the rabies. The dog must have an up-to-date rabies vaccination that is not going to expire during the duration of your travel. If it does, you have to get a booster 30 days prior to entering the EU. So they have to have had the booster for at least 30 days before they'll let you into the EU. So just note on that. Go ahead. That's why it's a good idea to have an appointment a month or so ahead of time. Double check with your vet. Go over all of the vaccinations and make sure you're up to date on everything. Thirdly, your pet will need to be microchipped. This is pretty standard in the U.S., so... I would guess that your dog is already microchipped if you're listening to this, but just so you know, it has to be on there. And they do mark the location of the microchip on the International Health Certificate. Finally, a pet passport is listed in some countries uh, for as a requirement. If you're traveling to the EU, it's best to obtain an EU passport if you're going to be traveling a lot within the EU via air travel. So once you get over to Europe, if you're going to be flying a lot in between countries, I would highly recommend that you get an EU passport. You cannot obtain an EU passport in the United States. The easiest way to do this is once you're in the EU. You can obtain a pet passport in the United States, but it'll be a U.S. pet passport. You do not, again, need this to get into the EU. All you need is the International Health Certificate and you need the rabies certificate. But I would definitely look into getting your pet a passport. It's just going to make everything easier to have something official with you. So... Belle has an EU passport because she had one issued to her when we were traveling through Europe and got to London, a story I'll get to a little bit later. Um, But I would look into which offices can issue a pet passport here in the United States. And then when you get to Europe, like I said, if you are going to be traveling a lot within the EU, find a vet. within that that first stop of the EU country that you're in, and they should be able to issue a pet passport. Most of them speak English. Their websites are pretty easy. I've, I've emailed and called before when I've gotten to Germany and been able to set up appointments. So if you have any uh, you know concerns, definitely feel free to reach out. I, I know that most Americans are uncomfortable about communicating in another language, but luckily everyone there is very well versed in English and I don't think you'll have any trouble getting around. So immediately after getting all of those things together, the International Health Certificate or EU Health Certificate, the Rabies Certificate, your pet is microchipped and the placement of it is verified on the health certificate, 
and you have a pet passport, either an American or you've made arrangements to get an EU passport once you're in the European Union, I would make copies of all of those documents and put them on the cloud. You never know what is going to come up and what's going to happen. I always travel with them in my carry-on in a folder, but you know, having copies is never a bad idea. I will note that it does state for the International Health Certificate that the document must be an original, quote, ink edition, not a digital copy or not a photocopy. So make sure that you do keep that one as safe as possible. Now, I've said all of that, and I will tell you, I have never once been asked for any of those documents in any country ever. So uh, unless you're flying on a plane and then they checked her pet passport and did not check her international health certificate, did not check her rabies certificate, never been asked for a single document. While actually entering the country, never been asked. So uh, always be prepared. You want to bring everything. You want to have copies of everything. But just so you know, it's never actually happened that I've had to use any of them. So that's everything you need in terms of preparation. So the vet, like I said, I made an appointment a month beforehand and then made her international health certificate appointment three days before our travel. I had a slight hiccup this time. Uh, The previous time when we had gone to Europe 18 months ago, I had absolutely no problem. My normal vet that owns the business was the one who issued the certificate. This time when I went in, the doctor, the vet, had to go into emergency surgery for another dog who is okay. I followed up with them afterwards, and the surgery went well. But she wasn't able to meet with me to issue the certificate, so another vet did. (sighs) he was reviewing all of the documentation because like I said, I had gone in a month beforehand to get Belle's rabies booster shot and to show her the EU health or the EU passport because I hadn't had that last time because it was issued in Europe and review all the documentation. Now he noticed a special note on the APHIS website, which is the association that deals with the transportation um, of animals through the different countries. And this note said that if the pet had an EU passport and had to get a rabies booster in the United States, which Belle did, that we needed to obtain an EU health certificate or international health certificate issued by the USDA accredited veterinary office which is in Los Angeles, the closest one to me. Needless to say, I was pretty upset, mostly because I had brought in all of my documentation a month ahead of time to the vet's office to discuss it with them and ask if there was anything that we needed to plan for. Um, Again, I knew that I had never been asked for documentation previously when entering the EU with Belle, but you're always scared and shaken So after speaking with the vet, I decided to go ahead and press forward, even though I wasn't able to get a USDA accredited veterinary uh, personnel to issue the certificate. 
they told me that the worst case scenario would be upon arrival in Paris at Charles de Gaulle uh, when they checked our passports, if there was any issue with Belle's vaccination, that she would have to receive another rabies booster. So I went ahead and, and pressed on. Now, again, upon our arrival in Paris, they checked my husband and I's passport, literally said nothing about Belle at all. Didn't even ask for her passport or any documentation at all. But next time, now that I know that, I would go to the APHIS office to obtain my EU health certificate just to be safe. Because again, it's nerve-wracking to roll the dice and you want to make sure you have all the bases covered that you can. If you are traveling with your animal as a pet, I would also discuss with the vet at your appointment some of the medication options for your pet to be able to sleep through the flights. Uh, again, you have to know your dog and if they're comfortable uh, staying still and not going to the bathroom and being quiet for that long. Anyone who's been on a flight with a screaming baby or toddler knows it's embarrassing for the parents and really disruptive for the entire plane. I think one of the reasons that the airlines have been cracking down so much on people traveling with their dogs is because of all of the behavioral issues that they have come up from people bringing on dogs to the aircraft that are not well-trained and are not used to being in that environment. So that's on the owners, not on the dogs, but use your best judgment and try to make sure you don't put yourself in an uncomfortable situation or make anybody else's flight you know, more difficult. Speaking of the airlines, let's move into that. Getting to Europe. Every airline is different and has a lot of different regulations. So I will outline my experience and research for three different types of possible air travel with your dog. One, with your dog as a pet. Two, with your dog as an ESA animal or emotional support animal. And three, with your animal as a service dog. So obviously your pet will probably fall into one of those three categories. First, pet. Some airlines do allow pets to travel on transatlantic flights. Others have ban on pets flying any duration over eight hours. So depending on where you're flying out of in the United States, that flight to Europe could be outside of the eight hour range. So you may have to look at some alternative routes and flying out of places like New York or DC or Atlanta to make sure that your flight to Europe is under eight hours and therefore they will allow dogs on board. So check the guidelines. To my knowledge, Lufthansa, KLM, Air France, and Swiss Air allow dogs in the cabin as well as American Airlines, but again, has to be under that eight hours for American Airlines. So double check with your you know, carrier and see what they say. Many airlines also insist that the dog be under a certain weight. Usually what I've seen is around eight kilograms, which is 17.6 pounds. This is similar to intra-EU travel, which I'll discuss a little bit later. Some airlines for your pet will also make you sign a waiver 
for sanitation, basically saying what your plan is if your pet has to go to the bathroom during the flight. Again, I think this is in reference to some of the issues that they've had with pets and with um, emotional support animals and service dogs on board. So you may be asked to fill that out and submit that documentation 48 hours before departure. Emotional support animal. Most airlines accept assistance animals on transatlantic flights. In order for your dog to be an ESA, an emotional support animal, you must obtain a letter from a licensed psychologist or counselor. It must be on their letterhead. It must outline the specifics of the emotional support provided and have their license number. Most airlines request this documentation be added to your reservations up to 30 days in advance. You will need to submit all of the documentation for review and have the original copies with you at the airport. Some airlines, like I said, are also requesting that sanitation form be filled out and submitted as well. So check with your airline for specifics. They may have you fill out some other forms for that as well. Service animals. Airlines have a lot of different qualifications for what constitutes a service animal. They do not seem to follow directly with what the American with Disabilities Association outlines as a service animal. This is most prominent with psychiatric service animals, so service animals that provide support for things like PTSD. Some airlines recognize psychiatric service dogs and some do not. Check with your airline for details. According to the American with Disabilities Association, which is the association that qualifies service dogs, your dog does not have to be vested at any time to actually be a service dog. However, if you are traveling with an emotional support animal or with a service dog, I would highly recommend that your animal be vested for the duration of your travel. It makes it easier to discuss with TSA and gate agents. They're alerted to it without a lot of discussion. It's just easier on everyone. Also, you won't have too many people coming up wanting to cut, uh, cut, <laughs> cuddle or pet your animal, which can definitely excite them when you're trying to make sure they're remaining copacetic. It is not required for all airlines that you give them advance notice of traveling with a service dog. However, I would always recommend you call and add them to your ticket. You don't want to roll the dice with international travel. Some airlines do require that you give them a notice. So I know Delta for sure does, and I think you have to fill out some qualifying forms for them. Other airlines do not, but make sure you double check with them. The airlines should only be allowed to ask what type of service does the animal provide. There's very little other than that that they are allowed to require or question. Just make sure that you have all of your documentation in alignment so that there's very little questions. Once you get to the airport on the day of travel, when you're going from the United States to Europe, the guidelines for international travel usually stipulate that you need to arrive at the airport two hours before an international flight. I usually give myself an extra 30 to 45 minutes, so like two and a half, three hours, just to allow time to address any questions with the dog. I haven't had any. The only question that they have ever asked me is, is that a service animal? Yes. What service does it provide? Now, 
the gate rep may ask some additional questions and weigh your animal if you're traveling it with it as a pet in a carrier. I travel with all of my documentation, like I said, in my carry-on. So I always make sure I have the International Health Certificate, Rabies Certificate, and Pet Passport. I have also always requested that the veterinary office email me a PDF of the dog's entire medical history so that I have that on the cloud just in case. If you're traveling with a pet, they are usually required to stay in the carrier under the seat for the duration of the flight. Now, use your judgment. If your animal is very small and quiet and you think they're going to be upset and you didn't give them medication, I've definitely had mine on my lap before and she was silent and quiet and no one said anything. But know your animal. ESA and service animals are allowed to sit on your lap, so you can definitely have them with you uh, for the duration of the flight. Entering the EU. Again, I have entered the EU through France and Germany with my dog. Those are the only two countries I've entered through, so I'm speaking directly about my experience entering in those two countries in the continental EU. I have never been asked for any documentation at any time. I have always had all the documentation. When I went into Germany, they just said, oh, what a cute dog, and I walked right through. In France, they didn't even notice or say anything. So I can't speak to anything else, but that has been my experience. Traveling within the EU has been usually very, very easy. Once you land in Europe, you'll probably want to visit a few countries. If you traveled to the EU with your dog as an emotional support animal or as a service animal, this will most likely not be recognized by the EU. Seeing eye dogs seem to be the exception, so be prepared to travel within Europe with your animal as a pet, which is usually pretty easy. If you are going to travel by plane in the EU, like I said, that European pet passport is going to be the best ticket item. If not, you're going to want to make sure you have that EU health certificate, uh, the American pet passport, as well as the rabies certificate. Call the airline that you're traveling with within the EU. There's usually a very nominal fee. I think 25 euros is standard. I've seen it all the way up to 40 euros, but very nominal to have your pet travel within the cabin. Their regulations on weight seem to be the biggest issue. Again, my dog's only 12 pounds, and it looks like most of the airlines that travel within the EU have a cutoff range of 8 kilograms, which is 17.6 pounds. So make sure that your dog with the carrier isn't over that weight because that looks like really the only issue with getting dogs on the plane. When we went this past time to... Europe and traveled from Paris to Venice, Italy, we used a European airline. We flew Arab uh, Iberia, and that is the only time I've ever been asked for Bell's passport, but the gate representatives didn't even look at anything. They all just oohed and awed over her little passport picture and the fact that her name was Belle because it means pretty in French. And they all were calling different representatives over to come and look at her because she's so cute. I did get reminded that she had to stay in her pet carrier through the duration of the flight, which from Paris to Venice is like 
an hour and a half and she was, you know, completely fine in that. So use your judgment, see, you know, what you think your, your dog will be comfortable in. Train travel within the EU is very simple to do with a dog. So if you're using the high speed train in Europe and you have a small dog, again, under eight kilograms, they're allowed on all public transportation at no additional fee in Germany. Um, they, they're not required to wear anything or be in a carrier. They are just like humans in that aspect, or babies, I should say, because they don't require a ticket. So I, I have had absolutely no problem. I've taken the train from Germany into France with Belle. Again, no ticket required. Um, the gate, the guards are very, very sweet to the dogs, and I've never had a problem and or been asked for any documentation, even though I've always traveled with it. In France, on the public transportation, dogs under eight kilograms do not need a ticket to ride the public transportation or high-speed trains either. Larger dogs do require a ticket. If you get stopped at a ticket checkpoint in France, do not let the attendants take advantage of you and give you a fine for your small dog not having a ticket. I have been a victim of this two weeks ago, and I have now triple checked with the French train authorities. They do not need a ticket if under eight kilograms. Traveling, um, we tra took the train into Belgium, the high-speed train from Paris to, to Brussels. Again, Belle went with us, no problem. Didn't ask for any um, documentation. She had a wonderful day, sat on my lap. No, no issues at all. In Belgium and Switzerland, uh, dogs are allowed on public transportation, no restrictions. In Italy, there is technically a rule that they need to wear a muzzle. This rule is never enforced. I have never seen it anywhere, and I didn't even buy one. Once an attendant did ask if I had a carrier for her or a box for the dog, and I replied yes and asked if I needed to put her in it. They said no, just wanted to know that I had one. Most of the Italian train personnel and Bell was on four different trains, high-speed trains, and five or six um, regional trains, public transportation in Italy. That's the only person that's ever asked me about anything. Most of the people just absolutely loved her and, you know, bent down and was like, ciao, bella, madonna, ciao, ciao, and just loved her and didn't ask for anything. Taxis. In France, some taxis are weird about taking a dog not in a carrier. It's completely dependent on the taxi driver. In Italy, I had absolutely no problem. In Germany, I had no problem. In Brussels I, or Belgium, no problem at all. If you are in France, Ubers, um, which do exist in Italy and in Rome, but very little outside of that, um, have to allow dogs because that's part of the Uber policy. So I, uh, I think if you're worried about it, that's a good bet. But again, or you can, you know, just put the dog in the carrier and the taxi drivers are fine with it. I think they're just really worried about getting like hair in their car because they're, you know, worried about stuff like that. So, um, plane travel outside the continental EU. Okay. This is where I've had, again, a little hiccup. Um, the first time that Belle and I went 
to Europe and flew from Germany into Germany. We then were going to the HP offices in Ireland and we flew through Heathrow. Now, Ireland does not require that the dog be dewormed three days before travel, but England does. So there was a very, despite all of my research, a very horrific, traumatic experience when we flew into London and they looked at all of her documentation and saw that she hadn't been dewormed in the past 36 hours or 72 hours. I think it's three days. So she had to stay overnight and subsequently I did too. We missed our plane to Dublin and had to be dewormed and it cost me about 900 pounds, a lot of money. So having the British authorities in London um, take your dog away from you, I can tell you I will not risk it again. The the Isles, uh, the British Isles are very wary about animals entering the country. So I would just use your judgment. I have not taken the train into London. There's a high-speed train from Paris to London that's like two hours. So I cannot speak to if that is easier uh, to travel with. But I definitely won't be air traveling into the British Isles again. Not that it can't be done. And it can. And she was fine, obviously. But it was a very traumatic and expensive (laughs) experience. So... If you are planning on going into the UK, just triple check every way you can and perhaps think about a different uh, situation for your dog if if you are going to go to the aisles. Accommodations. So I will tell you, most hotels in the EU are dog friendly. It's really not even a question. When I called and asked a couple of places they just gaffed at me and replied, of course, like always, why not? And I think that's, that's the rallying cry of most of them. Of course, you always want to double check because you don't want to arrive and have an issue. Airbnb has made it really easy to look for places that allow dogs. It's a filter that you can add. Even if you do book a pet friendly place, alert the host. I had an experience where A host didn't want dogs in the bedroom, which he didn't tell me until check-in. And, you know, in over 10 Airbnb experiences in the EU with my dog, I've never run into any issue with that. But now I will always, always double check. Once you get into Europe, the dogs really have a blast. In France, Germany, Italy, Belgium, Austria, Switzerland, and basically, again, all of the continental EU countries, dogs are allowed inside restaurants, so you don't have to sit on a patio or make any other special arrangements. They're allowed in in all of the shops. They really love dogs in Europe. Belle was always immediately brought water and usually some sort of special treat, like eggs or fresh pecorino cheese in Italy or freshly cut meat. In Florence, they have a special, a local special of Florentine steak, which is a type of aged T-bone. I mean, we ate it and then they wrapped up the bone for her to have as a special treat later. 
She had old shop ladies in Venice put dog treats in their mouth and bend down to have Belle take them out of their smiling faces. In France, she literally parted the seas of the crowded sidewalks. They love, love, love dogs there. And it makes you feel like a local and very, very welcome. The only places that you're going to want to make sure you make other arrangements for are things like museums. Technically, they are also not allowed in establishments that have open air to their food products where there is actual preparation, such as butcher shop or bakeries. But this rule rarely is enforced. So again, crab shoot supermarkets as well. Technically, in France, not allowed or in Italy, it seems like sometimes yes, sometimes no. They seem to disregard the rule very frequently until, you know, one person has an issue with it. Some of the more crowded attraction places like the Eiffel Tower as well don't allow dogs to go up, although dogs are allowed in the grounds surrounding the Eiffel Tower. So just double check with that type of stuff. But in general, you're going to find just an open arm and a continent that absolutely adores dogs. Food for the dogs. I use a raw organic food in the United States called small batch. I chose them for obviously their dedication to ingredients as well as the fact that they offered a freeze-dried version of their food identical to the ingredients in their raw. This way, Belle did not have to go through a food change while we travel, which we travel frequently together, and I don't have to try to bring raw food on a plane. So generally, Belle and I, I mean, just in the past three months have gone to LA, San Francisco, Philadelphia, New Orleans. I I mean, she goes with me all the time. So having a food that is able to be the same in a raw form and a freeze-dried form is very important to me. And I pack a little bit on the plane and put the rest in my suitcase. So I think going through a food change overseas could be very difficult on their little stomachs. So use your judgment on that. But on my first trip over, I did run out of food the last two days. And I literally just went to a butcher shop and... Thankfully, there's still common practice in Europe. Dear America, what has happened? And told him, you know, my dog normally eats beef. Um, I ran out. Do you have a lean beef? You know, that would be good. And they mix. They gave me a, a good mix, and I put some broccoli in it, which is her favorite vegetable, and she was fine. I also always travel with two silicon pop-up bowls. Depending on the time of year you go, it's, you know, always good to to travel with that. We also got a backpack for Belle because when you're going around Europe, you're obviously going to be doing a great deal of walking. And if you're bringing a small dog, that probably means that they're tiny legs. And so uh, we got canine sports sack. And I absolutely love them. Um, Their backpack was wonderful. If you follow Belle on Instagram, you probably saw Charles carrying her around Italy and France. Um, But she's very comfortable in it. And I would definitely recommend you packing that for them. 
A couple of other just miscellaneous things. Um, shampoo. The streets of Europe are old <laughs> and have a lot of foot traffic on them. So make sure that you either pack some shampoo or make arrangements to visit a pet store over there, which is always an adventure to visit a, you know, a pet store in a different country. We got Belle um, some really cute little squeaker toys in the shape of macarons in France and um, a wonderful French shampoo. We also got her a shampoo when we went to Hawaii um, that I really, really love. So it can, it can be fun to experience that, but you definitely want to make sure that you are making arrangements so that you don't have a very dirty dog on your, on your hands. Flying back to the U.S. should be relatively easy for you as well. There is no documentation that you need other than what you already have been issued to get back into the country. I have, again, never been asked for any documentation. I do have global entry, so for me, entering the U.S. is pretty straightforward. But even if you don't, the, the last time I went 18 months ago, I did not have global entry, and it was the, the same experience. Make sure you arrive at the airport early in Europe, wherever you're flying out of. I flew out of Rome, and it took us three and a half, four hours to get through everything. It was a, a complete, just insane amount of time that it took us to get through everything, and not because we had the dog, just in general. They did have my name on a special list, and I had, of course, before I left, called and verified that Bell was added as a traveler on my ticket for all flights that I had both there and back. So, you know, just double check all of your bases on that. But if your airline has any special requirements, make sure you keep that. U.S. Customs should not, and it should be pretty easy to get back home, which is, which is good. I had an absolutely amazing time in Europe with Belle and my husband, and I can't imagine her not being there. I know it seems like there were a lot of steps, but really it's just getting those forms in place and working with your airline. Once you get to Europe, it's going to be easy, but there's always a lot of trepidation, especially the first time and really every time because I don't have children, but I would imagine every time you travel with a being that you're responsible for, you feel that pressure and you don't want anything to go wrong. So if you have any other questions, always feel free to reach out to us, info at CocoLikeChanel.com. I'm happy to share any experiences that I've had and give any advice that I can. You can always follow Belle on Instagram at LittleBellPup, and Belle is spelled like the Disney princess, B-E-L-L-E. -L -L -E. I, of course, am Coco like Chanel. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week and hearing about our amazing adventure to Europe with our furry family member, Belle. This weekend, Charles and I are going to start recording our European podcast special where we'll talk about our experiences in each country, including food and shopping and traveling and the accommodations and all of our experiences in general. We'll go through some of the highlights and what we would definitely do differently next time. So look for that. I do have a 
copy of the article I wrote on how to travel to Europe with your dog up on the website if you want to just check as a reference, www.cocolikechanel.com. Well, we look forward to having you tune in next time. And until then, les élevants pour les, everyone.